Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we'll be reading from the poem of the Man-God, Volume 1, Maria Valtorta. We're going to start on page 51, Mary's Canticle, Imploring the Coming of the Christ. Here Mary is about 12 years old. She's living in the temple still. She's young, she's beautiful, she's pure, and she is singing. And she sings, like a star in clear water, a light is shining within my heart. It has been with me since my childhood, and it guides me tenderly with love. In the depths of my heart there is a song. Where does it come from? Man, you do not know. It comes from where the Holy One rests. I look at my clear star, and I do not want anything, not even the sweetest and dearest thing, except this sweet light that is all mine. You brought me down from the heavens above, O star of mine, into the womb of a mother. Now you live in me, but beyond the veil I see your glorious face, Father. When will you grant your servant the honor of being the humble maid of the Savior? Send us the Messiah from heaven. Accept, Holy Father, the offer of Mary. You see here that Mary, in her humility, prays to God that she may serve the mother of the Savior, never realizing that she herself will be the mother of the Savior one day, until, of course, that day comes. We continue. Mary is now quiet. She smiles and sighs. Then she kneels down in prayer. Her little face is shining brightly. She is looking upwards towards the clear blue summer sky, and her face seems to be absorbing and then radiating all the brightness in the air. Or rather, it looks as if from within her a hidden sun is radiating its rays and lighting up her face, coloring her snow-white flesh with a light rosy hue. And the light from her face spreads out towards the world, and the sun shining on our world, a blessing and a promise of much good. While Mary is getting up after her prayer with ecstatic brightness still on her face, old Anna of Fenuel enters the room, she stands still, amazed, or at least wondering at Mary's attitude and appearance. Were you praying? she asks. Are your prayers never enough for you? And Mary answers, My prayers would be enough. But I speak to God, Anna. You cannot imagine how close I feel him, more than close within my heart. May God forgive me my pride, but I do not feel lonely. If I listen to my heart, I see God shining in his loving glory, and he says to me, I love you, and I reply to him, I love you, and I die, and I am recreated at each beat of my heart in this reciprocal kiss. I am amongst you, my dear teachers and companions, but a circle of fire isolates me from you. Within the circle, God and myself, and I see you through the fire of God, and so I love you but I cannot love you according to the flesh. Neither shall I ever be able to love anyone according to the flesh. I can only love him who loves me according to the Spirit. This is my destiny. The secular law of Israel wants every girl to be a wife, and every wife to be a mother. But while obeying the law, I must obey the voice that whispers to me, I want you. I am a virgin, and a virgin I shall remain. How shall I succeed? This sweet, invisible presence that is with me will help me, because it is its desire. I am not afraid. I have no longer my father and mother, 
and only God knows how my love for whatever human being belonged to me was burnt in that pain. But I have but God. I therefore obey him unquestioningly. I would have done so also regardless of father and mother, because I have been taught by the voice that whoever wishes to follow it must go beyond father and mother. Parents are loving patrols watching the hearts of their children, whom they wish to lead to happiness according to their plans, and they are not aware of other plans leading to infinite happiness. I want to follow the voice that says to me, Come, my beloved spouse. I would have left them everything and the pearls of my tears, for I would have cried having to disobey them and the instincts of my blood, because I would have defied even death to follow the voice calling me. I would have told them that there is something greater and sweeter than the love of a father and mother, and that is the voice of God. But now by his will I am free from this tie of filial love. Nay, it would not have been a tie. My parents were two just people, and God certainly spoke to them as he speaks to me. They would have followed justice and truth. When I think of them, I imagine them in the quiet expectation among the patriarchs, and I hasten with my sacrifice the coming of the Messiah to open for them the gates of heaven. I am my own guide on earth, or rather God guides his poor servant, giving her his commands, and I fulfill them because it is a joy for me to obey. When the time comes, I will reveal my secret to the spouse, and he will accept it. So here Mary is talking about how her virginity is solely for the Lord. And she says, shall I marry one day? I will tell my spouse that I will remain a virgin because I've dedicated my life to God. And Anna says, Anna says to her, but Mary, which words will you find to persuade him? You will have the love of a man, the law, and life against you. And Mary answers, I shall have God with me. God will enlighten the heart of the spouse. Life will lose the incentiveness of the senses and become a pure flower with the fragrance of charity. The law, Anna, don't call me a blasphemer. I think the law is about to be changed. By whom do you think, if it is divine? By the only one who can change it, by God. The time is nearer than you think, I tell you, because when I was reading Daniel, a great light came to me from the depths of my heart, and I understood the meaning of the enigmatic word. The seventy weeks will be shortened because of the prayers of just people. Does this mean that the number of the years is being changed? No, a prophecy is never wrong. But the measure of the prophetic time is the course of the moon, not of the sun. Therefore I say, near is the hour when the baby born of a virgin will be heard crying. So many things I wish it would tell me where the happy mother is. Oh, since this light that loves me tells me so many things, I wish it would tell me where the happy mother is that will give birth to the Son of God and Messiah of his people. Barefooted I would travel all over the world, neither cold nor frost, neither dust nor heat, nor wild beast, nor hunger would prevent me from reaching her, and I would say to her, Grant your servant, and the servant of the servants of Christ, to live under your roof. I will turn your millstone and your press. Use me as a slave to work your millstone, and to watch your herds. Make me wash the napkins of your child. I will work in your kitchen, at your oven, wherever you wish, 
but receive me, that I may see him and hear his voice and receive his glance. And if she did not want me, I would live at her doorstep like a beggar, in a cold and hot weather, just to hear the voice of the child Messiah and the echo of his laughter, and see him passing by. And perhaps one day he would offer me a piece of bread. Oh, if I were dying with hunger, and I were fainting because of extensive fasting, I would not eat that bread. I would hold it close to my heart like a bag of precious pearls, and I would kiss it to scent the perfume of Christ's hand, and I would never be hungry or cold, because its touch would give me ecstasy and heat, ecstasy and food. Anna says, You ought to be the mother of the Christ, since you love him so much. Is that why you wish to remain a virgin? And Mary answers, Oh, no, I am misery and dust. I dare not lift my eyes towards the glory. That is why, rather than the double veil beyond which I know dwells the invisible presence of Jehovah, I love looking into my heart. Over there, there is the terrible God of Sinai. Here within me, I see our Father, a loving face that smiles and blesses me, because I am like a little bird that the wind sustains without feeling its weight, and I am weak like the stem of a lily of the valley that can only bloom and smell sweetly and can present no other force to the wind but its scented and pure sweetness. God, my loving wind, not because of that, but because the Son of God and of a virgin, the Holy of the Most Holy One, can but like what in heaven he chose as his mother and what on earth speaks to him of his heavenly Father, purity. If the law pondered that, if the rabbis who have complicated the law with all the quibbles of their teaching turned their minds to higher horizons and aimed at supernatural things, deserting the human and lucrative affairs which cause them to forget the supreme end, they should, above all, make purity the main subject of their teaching, so that the King of Israel might find it when he comes. With the olive branches of the peaceful one, with the palms of the triumpher, spread lilies, lilies, lilies. How much blood the Savior will have to shed to redeem us! How much indeed! From the thousands of wounds that Isaiah saw on the man of sorrows, a stream of blood is falling like dew from a porous vase. May this divine blood not fall where there is desecration and blasphemy, but into chalices of fragrant purity that may receive it and gather it for the purpose of spreading it amongst the diseased and leprous souls and amongst those who are dead to God. Give lilies to wipe with their pure petals the sweat and the tears of Christ. Give lilies for his keen desire of martyrdom. Oh, where will that lily be that will bear you? Where is the lily that will quench your parching thirst, that will become red with your blood, will die for the pain of seeing you dying, and will cry over your bloodless body, O Christ, Christ, my desire. Mary is talking about the purity of the mother of God, not knowing she is to be the mother of God. She's also talking about Jesus' sacrifice of himself, his, his blood, sweat, and tears that he gives to us. And she's also talking about how his blood, which we receive now, as the Holy Communion is used to heal those who are diseased and leprous in their souls and those who are dead to God 
dead to God means sleeping to God, unaware of God, not loving God. We receive in God within ourselves. We become part of God again. We take God into ourselves. We carry God around with us. We we exude his virtues, his love, his kindness. We try to emulate God. And Mary is talking about all this out of the depths of her great love for the coming Messiah. Continue. Mary is now silent, weeping, and overwhelmed. Anna is also silent for a while, and then with her clear voice of a deeply moved old woman, she asks, Have you anything else to teach me, Mary? Mary rouses. She must think in her humility that her teacher is reproaching her, and she exclaims, Oh, forgive me, you are my teacher, I am nothing. But this voice comes from my heart. I watch over it to avoid speaking. But like a river that under the fury of water breaks its embankment, it has now overcome me and overflowed. Pay no attention to me, please. Pay no attention to my words and chastise my presumption. Words of mystery should remain in the depths of one's heart, which God helps in his goodness. I know, but this invisible presence is so sweet that I am filled with joy. Anna, please forgive your little servant. Anna embraces Mary while tears shine on her old, wrinkled, trembling face. Now Jesus says, Mary remembered God. She dreamt of God. She thought she dreamt. She was only seeing him again, what she had seen in the splendor of God's heaven, in the instant she was created to be united to the body conceived on the earth. She shared with God one of God's properties, although in a lesser degree, as was fitting. That is the property of remembering, seeing, and foreseeing, which is an attribute of the mighty and perfect intelligence not impaired by fault. Man was created in the image and likeness of God. One of the likenesses is the capability for the soul of remembering, seeing, and foreseeing. This explains the faculty for reading into the future. This faculty sometimes comes directly by God's will. Sometimes it is a power of recollection that rises like the sun in the morning, illuminating a point on the horizon of centuries already seen in the vision of God. Such mysteries are too deep to be fully understood by you, but consider. Can the supreme intelligence, the mind that knows everything, the sight that sees everything, give you something different from himself, having created you by an act of his will, and a breath of his infinite love, and having made you his children, both by your origin and your destination. Listen to this. Jesus says your origin and your destination, meaning you originate in heaven and you are destined to return to heaven. We come from heaven, we go back to heaven. We belong to God always. Jesus says, He gives you it in an infinitesimal part, as the creature cannot contain the Creator. But that part is perfect and complete, although infinitesimal. What treasure of intelligence God gave man, Adam! The fall impaired it, but my sacrifice reinstates it and opens the splendor of intelligence, its wealth, its science for you. How sublime is the human mind united to God by His grace, sharing with God the faculty of knowledge. The human mind united to God by grace. There is no other way. 
those who inquisitively seek ultra-human secrets should remember that. All knowledge that does not come from a soul in grace, and is not in grace who is against God's law, which is very clear in its commandments. Such knowledge comes from Satan. It seldom corresponds to the truth when human matters are concerned. It never corresponds to the truth with regard to superhuman matters. The demon is, in fact, the father of falsehood and can but lead on to the path of falsehood. There is no other method of knowing the truth except the one that comes from God, who speaks and says or reminds, as a father reminds his son of his paternal house and says to him, Don't you remember when you used to do this with me? You saw that? You heard something else? Don't you remember when I used to kiss you goodbye? Do you remember when you saw me for the first time and you admired the bright light on my face shining on your virginal soul, which, having been just created by me, was still pure and free from the evil that later impaired you? Do you remember when you understood for the first time in a throb of love what love is, which is the mystery of our being and proceeding, and what the limited capability of a man in grace cannot reach, the spirit of science clarifies and teaches. But to possess the spirit, grace is needed. To possess truth and science, grace is required. To possess the Father, grace is necessary. Grace is a tent in which the three persons dwell. It is a propitiatory on which the Eternal Father rests and speaks, not from within a cloud, but revealing his face to his faithful children. Saints and just people remember God. They remember the words they heard in the creating mind, and which the supreme goodness revives in their hearts to raise them like eagles to the contemplation of the truth and to the knowledge of time. Mary was full of grace. The whole one and trine grace was in her. The whole one and trine grace prepared her like a bride for the wedding, like a nuptial bed for the offspring, like a divine person for her maternity and mission. She closes the cycle of the prophetesses of the Old Testament and opens the period of the spokesman of God of the New Testament. True ark of the Word of God, looking into her immaculate heart, she discovered the words of eternal knowledge which a finger of God had written there and she remembered, as all saints do, that she had already heard them when her immortal soul was being created by God the Father, the creator of all living beings. And if she did not remember everything of her future mission, the reason is that God leaves some gaps in every human perfection, according to a law of divine prudence, out of goodness and as a reward to creatures. Here Jesus is saying that God does not reveal your whole future to you. It would be too much for you to bear, for us to bear. He gives us a little bit at a time as we can manage, as we can handle out of mercy. We continue. Mary, the second Eve, had to achieve her part of merit in being the mother of Christ with a faithful good will that God exacted also from his Christ to make him a redeemer. The spirit of Mary was in heaven. Her morale and her body were on the earth, and they had to tread on the earth and on the flesh to reach the spirit 
and join it to the Holy Spirit in a fruitful embrace. Here we see that while Mary had to live on the earth to fulfill her mission of becoming the mother of Christ and the co-redeemer, that her heart and her soul were always enjoined, twined with the triune God, with the Holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And she was of heaven. She was full of grace. And she had to live on earth as a pure spirit, as a pure soul. And she was created that way. She was the full of grace, full of the grace of God. She was virtuous. She was humble. She was kind. She was merciful, loving, forgiving, obedient. She loved God above all others, served God. And because she loved God and served God, she loved and served all of his people. All of the people who come to her still to this day and ask her to intercede for them, to pray for them, to bring their prayers to her son, Jesus, who never denies his mother anything because her heart is always in alignment with God and anything she asks of him is something good. So we see Mary as a child, 12 years old. We saw her as a three-year-old. We saw her as an infant. She was purity and remains purity. She's something special and unique. And we all strive, if we can, to be just a little bit like her as human beings, as mothers and fathers, as children of God. She represents an extraordinary example of what we could achieve if we give some effort and some love towards God. And also, Mary is a warrior because to be able to have accomplished everything that she did, to push away sin, to live with the unknown, to live with evil around her, and defeat it time and time and time again and remain pure in her soul, she has to be very, very strong. She is a warrior, and we can be like her too. We can be warriors. So this beautiful, sweet, kind, gentle young woman is also a fierce warrior in the battle against good and evil. And she is an example to us all.